You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I sure do appreciate you being here today, and it's a blessing to see each of you in the house of the Lord today. Um, I got mixed emotions about the message in the sense that I'm excited about the uh, the content, um, and I'm, I'm just praying that I can present it in such a way that it will be uh, come together. I feel like I've got some scattered uh, things here that uh, all kind of go together, but we'll see uh, how it goes. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, and I want to begin reading in verse number 10. Philippians 3 verse 10, the Apostle Paul is writing, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. But we get some good insight into the Apostle Paul's motivation. I'd like to preach to you today about uh, achieving your goal. Uh, or, uh, kind of goes together, but taking control of your life. Taking control of your life, achieving your goal. I feel like they kind of go together. Um, because when I talk about your goal, I talk about hopefully your intention is to see God's goal accomplished in your life. Um, and so taking control of your life, uh, achieving your goal, setting your goal, seeing your goal, and that's exactly what I believe the Apostle Paul uh, has to share with us in these verses. But it's a pretty amazing thing. When, if you think about the principles I'm trying to give to you about this, they're throughout the Scripture. Uh, God gave people goals. God gave people visions. Uh, and He said, this is where I want you to be, or this is how I'm going to bless you. Uh, he would give this big vision out there somewhere, this big ultimate goal, and then they would have these small steps they would take toward building or accomplishing that goal. Whether it was Abraham, whether it was Noah, whether it was Isaac or Jacob or whoever it was along the way or Joseph, God gave these people these kind of a long-term vision, but then He also gave them uh, small-term steps to help them achieve that. And the Apostle Paul is no exception uh, as a successful person for Christ. He says here in Philippians 4 verse 10, that I may know Him. That I may know Him. And of course the Him there is referencing our precious Lord and Savior, our Lord and our God, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as, bitty, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And I want to stop reading right there and uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, please help us this morning. I pray that you will uh, transform, change somebody's life here today. Uh, God, I pray that you will uh, continue the transformation process uh, that you uh, started in my life. 
Back in 1992, uh, God, and I know I have slowed that process in so many ways, but I'm glad that you still work and you still move. And uh, I just pray that you will speak to hearts. If there's anybody here today that has not had their sins forgiven, that needs to be saved by the grace of God. God, how I pray that they would see the hymn uh, in these verses. The, the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is about a person. And I pray if they have not put their faith and trust in You, that they would do that today. But help us, dear God, to attain that for which we've been attained. To, to apprehend that for which we've been apprehended. And we'll thank You for what You do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, this is one of many passages in God's Word that I believe address achieving your goal, uh, that address taking control of your life. A couple things I want to point out through these verses is, is, is first of all, he accepted and recognized that he wasn't there yet. Notice what he says there in uh, verse number 12. He says, not as though I had already attained. Either were, or either were already perfect. So he accepted and he recognized that he wasn't there yet. Now, there may be some of you that feel like you have arrived. In other words, you may feel like you are uh, better or you're doing so much better than other people that uh, maybe you feel like you've arrived. Uh, I don't understand that. I don't imagine that there's too many of you uh, listening to me today that feel that way. But there are, I have known some that seem like by their attitude, that's the way they felt. Because it seemed like they thought they were better than other people. And it seemed like they stuck out their chest in some kind of religious, pharisaical uh, pride. Uh, well, the Apostle Paul said, I've not attained yet. Uh, and there's none of us that are atta have attained yet. There's all of us that God is still working on. Amen? Uh, and so we need to recognize that. But I want to say on the other hand, I think there's probably a few more that I can identify with. And that is this. Accepting that we're not yet there yet. Recognizing that we're not yet there yet. But saying this. There's many of us that struggle to have a healthy view of ourselves. We have a hard time viewing ourselves in a healthy light. And here's what I mean by that. And I think some of you may know what I mean by that. If we're not careful, um, when we fail, when we come short, then I am saying when we fail, when we come short. Because since we have not already attained, and if the goal is to be like the Son of God, guess what? We fail and we come short. So when we fail, when we come short, if we're not careful, we can really get down on ourselves. Anybody? Amen. We can really get down on ourselves. We can, we, see, the Bible says, and we've talked about this on Wednesday nights but uh, recently, but the Bible says that, that, that a man ought not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Well, there's one thing in that verse we understand. We ought not to think highly of ourselves. But it didn't actually say that we shouldn't think highly of ourselves. He said we shouldn't think more highly than we ought to think. You say, wait a second, are you saying uh, we ought to think highly of ourselves? No, God is. Not too highly. But you say, in what sense? Not as in me being a great person, but here's something I can think highly of. I can think highly of myself in this sense, that God loved me enough to die on the cross for me. Amen. Not because I'm worthy, not because I'm great, but man, He loved me that much, so I must be something valuable to Him. Right. 
Okay? So that's a pretty high thing to think. If I think that He loves me, then I must be th- I'm thinking pretty highly of myself. If I'm thinking He loved me enough to die for me, if I'm thinking He loved me enough to count the, the, the hairs on my head, to know my problems, if I, if I know according to God's Word that He's touched with the feeling of my infirmities, guess what? I think pretty highly of myself with that. But you understand what that is. It's not me thinking, oh, I'm such a great thing. Boy, God really got something when He got me. No, it's like, you know what? I must matter. And, not, and let, me, let me throw this in there because this is really a key part of the message. Not only does He love me, not only did He create me, not only did He shed His blood for me on the cross, He died for me, so that, and He rose again the third day that I might be saved. Because you know why? Besides the fact that He loved me, He has a purpose for my life. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Amen. You have been predestined yes. to a purpose for God. Amen. God has a plan from the foundation of the world for your life. I must mean something. Because I'll tell you one thing, understanding those facts, that's a whole lot more highly than I think of myself. Because I want to think I'm worthless. Wait a second. Would Jesus purchase something that's worthless? Is my God unwise? My God's not unwise. My God's an all-knowing, all-wise God. So He's not purchasing something that's worthless. He's purchasing something that means something to Him. Is my God unwise in having a plan for me? Because, again, having a healthy view of yourself, we often have an unhealthy view because I've used this illustration before for the way I feel about myself, but I think many of you can identify with me. And that's that sometimes I can really feel like God got a lemon when he got me. And, uh, and I don't know if that terminology is used too much anymore. So if any of you young people are imagining, why does he think he's a citrus fruit? You know, I don't get it, okay? Uh, the, the, the terminology lemon, uh, I don't even know where it originated. We'll have to see that on Mr. at the Museum, Jennifer, sometime, I guess. But um, one of our favorite shows. But anyway, I don't know where that term originated from, but I know what it means. It means that you, you could per- maybe go out and buy a brand spanking new vehicle, appliance, whatever it is, a computer, something like that, phone, and it just doesn't work. You get it home and it just doesn't work. There's just something wrong with it. It's just a lemon. It's faulty. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So that's the way I feel like a lot of times. I feel like God, you know, man, He loved me enough to save me. And He just said, oh boy, man, and I've got this. This is what I'm going to do in Jesse Haley's life. I've determined this from the foundation of the world. So here we go, Jess. (coughs) Then God tries to crank me up and it's... Or it's, it's God gets me down the road a few miles and I start spitting and sputtering and break down on the side of the road. And it's that He fixes one thing and no sooner than He gets that thing fixed there's something else breaking. Now all that's true, by the way, about me. Uh, but here's the great thing. God is not caught by surprise by any of that. He knew that. He loves me. So I can look at those facts about myself and say I must not be worth too much. Because that's true. But the thing that's true as well is that I am worth something. That's why God saved me. That's why God's doing a work in my life. That's why God's transforming me uh, into His image. Because what I hope to share with you this morning, uh, if I can get there past this first sentence in my notes, is uh, is, is that with God's purpose and with God's plan, 
for your life. Uh, these are some things, these are some principles that have changed my life. These are some principles that, that have transformed and are transforming who I am. Now, if you know me, you may be sitting there thinking, so you've been transformed? God's transforming you? I need a lot of work. I'm, I, I need a lot of help. So it, you may look at me and say, I don't see a lot going on there. Uh, but if you could see what I would be if God wasn't working on me, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> I see that. Amen. So when I say, man, these are transforming my life, these are helping me, uh, uh, I, I mean it. Yeah, I, I, you, as, as bad as I may be right now, you'd hate to see what I'd be without Him. I'll tell you that much. Um, and so... He accepted, he recognized that he wasn't there yet. Um, but then, then, not only that, but notice this, verse 12, he says, Not as though I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that which I may apprehend, for that which also I'm apprehended of Jesus Christ. I'll say a couple things, I'll, I'll try to explain that here in a second, but he determined to continue toward his goal. He said, I follow after. I follow after. He determined to continue toward his goal, his vision, his dream, his purpose. See, the most productive people tend to train themselves to think differently. Um, and when it comes to the Apostle Paul, uh, what he saw uh, was the, the purpose that he had for his life. So God's purpose for his life became a dream. And when he says right there, that's kind of hard to follow for me anyway, if I just read it one time. For I follow after that which I have that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I read that once and I'm like, wait, what? Therefore, by the way, if you read something once in the Bible and don't get it, say, I don't understand it, I quit. Uh, listen, read it again. Amen. Look it up. Read it again. Read it again. Um, and by the way, you do not need a, a quote-unquote easier version with a lot more syllables and it needs a higher grade level in order to read. Amen. That's a whole other story. Easier versions are on higher, higher reading planes than uh, the, the hardest version out there to read, which is on the lowest reading plane. Uh, elementary kids, uh, school kids can read the King James, uh, and that's a whole other story, amen? Those are myths uh, that are out there, okay? It's, it's not that you need e easier words. It's that we need the Spirit of God to help us when it comes to the Word of God. We need to read it again. We need to, we, it's okay. Look up the definitions. Get a hold of it. But here's, here's simply what he's saying. I love this. He's, he's saying that I want to get a hold of that which God got a hold of me for. I'm trying to put it just in my kind of terminology. Just, just simple terminology. In other words, one day God got a hold of me. And I'm trying to get a hold of, why, of what God got a hold of me for. So in other words, God got a hold of me. God apprehended me. God saved me. God arrested me in conviction. He saved me. He changed my life. And He says, I've saved you. I've apprehended you. And, and this is what I've got for you. And then Paul says, well, I'm going to try to apprehend that. That's good. I'm going to go after that. I'm going to get a hold of this. So Paul is talking about a vision. He's talking about a goal. And I like this. Because uh, his, uh, his, his dream became his vision or his goal. So God's purpose for his life became his dream. So get a hold of this. God's got a purpose for your life. Begin to dream about that. Begin to imagine that. Begin to think about God's purpose for your life. Now ultimately and specifically, God may have different and does have different things for our lives. You know, whether it's a, 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 this career or a different career, whether it's just being a stay-at-home mom, whether it's, 
you know, preaching, whether it's teaching, whether it's whatever, however you serve and whatever God. Listen, if you're saved, by the way, you have a spiritual gift. Amen. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, uh, Lord willing, we'll be talking some about those spiritual gifts uh, here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. But you have a spiritual gift if you are born again. Amen. And I know that there's some of you sitting there saying, not me. You don't know me. Uh, I don't have to know you. I know God. Amen. And I know God said if you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. The, the problem is sometimes we have an ignorance of what these spiritual gifts are. We can learn those in God's Word. Uh, but here it is. Get a dream of that. Imagine what kind of mom you could be for God. The kind of dad. The kind of husband. The kind of man. The kind of woman that you can be for God. See, he, the, 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 this, this dream. See, but his dream became his goal and his vision. In other words, dreaming will not get you too far unless you turn it into a vision to where you say, I'm going to take steps in that direction. So he pressed. He kept on. You know what it tells me that where the Bible says there in verse number 14, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why is he pressing? It must be difficult. It must be hard. There must be some things he's having to go through. And so... And then then he says, verse fourteen or verse fifteen. Let us therefore, as be many, as be perfect, be thus minded. So he's talking about the way we think about things, our minds, and so forth. That we'll focus on later. I press toward the mark. He had a mark out there. He had a goal. Uh, I'll I'll try to give a couple illustrations, a couple examples in scripture, then give you a couple illustrations. Uh, Isaiah fifty verses six and seven. You don't have to turn there, but you, you may, and you may write it down and read it later. This is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's 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 a prophetic uh, utterance out of the book of Isaiah, and the the in referring to Jesus going to the cross, he talks about giving his back to the smiters, his cheeks to them that ripped it, ripped it out, that that plucked out the hair. But then he says this: I have set my face like a flint. We talked a lot, a lot about it around the Christmas season. Jesus was born with a purpose in mind. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to go to that cross. Jesus was born to go to that cross, die, rise again the third day that He might save us. <clears throat> and everything Jesus did led toward that. He set His face like a flint. Um, you know, yeah, I think about Noah, for instance. God gave Noah a vision. He gave him a dream. He gave him a calling. And he said, I'm, I'm going to send a flood upon the earth, something man had never seen before. I'm going to send a flood, and I want you to build an ark. And, and I want you to preach for the next 120 years and warn people. And I want you to build this ark as a testimony. You know what? Noah did not go out there and, 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 and just put this ark together in a day or two. It goes piece by piece. So God gave him a big goal. And I'll give these to you in a second. God gave him a stretch goal. Something that seemed almost impossible. But God gave him some smart goals to help him achieve this big goal. In other words, God gave him some small goals in order to help him achieve this bigger goal. Uh, William Carey was an apprentice for a cobbler at the age of 14. Uh, so he was just working for a, and a cobbler, by the way, uh, is a, a, a shoe, shoemaker, somebody that made shoes, repaired shoes and so forth. But at, at the age of 17, while working as a cobbler, while working as a shoemaker, he began to study languages in his spare time. Why? Because he dreamed one day of being a missionary. 
a young man and he dreamed of being a missionary. But he, that dream turned into a goal and a vision, a driving force to where ultimately uh, William Carey um, went to India and he gave the, rest of his, gave the rest of his life in India trying to reach people with the gospel. And he, he put the, uh, the Bible into uh, the language uh, or one of the languages of the Indian people there. God used him. He saw this big goal. But you know what? He was still making shoes when God first began to call him to do this. And I love a statement that I heard about uh, William Carey when someone... Uh, said to him basically what is it that you do and he says he says i'm a missionary to india he said but and i'm paraphrasing here he said but he said i make shoes to pay the expenses i make shoes to pay the expenses see and that's what we've got some of us if we're not careful we have no purpose no goal in our lives. If we're not careful, we think we, we think we, we we think that we're just on this earth. We're not driven. We're not pressing toward a mark. We're not following uh, as Paul's talking about here. We're just kind of existing. And as a result of that, we're losing we're losing a lot. We're missing a lot. Why? Because that's not what God has for your life. Amen. And so we need to get a goal. We need to have a dream. We need to have a vision uh, that'll help us with that. And so. Taking control of your life, I guess, could be the first part of the principle that's laid out here in Scripture. The Bible talks about personal accountability. Every man will give an account to himself for God. Um, a, a secular way, if you will, uh, a terminology that's used is, a, is and you've, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but bear with me about taking control of your life. God tells us about personal accountability, what we can do and the difference that we can make. The Apostle Paul here is trusting in in the work of God in his life all the way. But he's having to make an effort. He's having to follow. He's having to press. He's having to let God lead him in his life. So in other words, Paul and every other successful person in the Bible, every successful person from the days of the Bible until this very day has has had something that's called an internal locus of control. L-O-C-U-S. Someone with an internal locus of control believes that he or she can influence uh, things that happen in their lives. In other words... Someone with an external, internal versus external. Someone with an external locus of control, they blame outside forces for everything. So students with an external locus of control, they believe that their successes or failures result from external factors beyond their control. People that have this kind of attitude think that the only way in life that they make it is just luck. Fate, circumstances, or if they're, they can't make it, we can't succeed. Why? Because there's injustice. There's bias. Um, for a student, there's teachers that's unfair. I can never succeed. I had a bad upbringing. I can never succeed. Uh, I'm a sinful person. I can never succeed. Oh, I've got... There's all these things, but if you notice everything, we go right back to the Garden of Eden and it's we're always pointing the finger outwards. But the Bible teaches to have an internal locus of control. And that's just to say this. That's to say that you know what? It's not somebody else's fault. And by God's grace, I can succeed. By God's grace, I can achieve. I can apprehend. I can make a difference. 
I mean, you study. What about the people that made a difference in this world that started off illiterate? I, I love the st- st- some of the stories. That I, for whatever reason, the story of Ben Carson comes to mind. You know, I mean, raised poor, single parent, ghetto, the whole thing. A black man. He seems to be disadvantaged in every way possible. But you know what? He doesn't sit there like so many do and say, yep, I'm a product of my environment. I can't succeed. I can't do anything. Uh, he, can't, he, he, he doesn't believe the people that say you'll never amount to anything. He doesn't believe the statistics that say since you're raised by a single parent, since you're a black man being raised in the inner city, in the ghetto, you cannot... He didn't believe any of that. All that was what was out here. But there was something in here that drove him. Amen. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to let that affect my life. I mean, it's going to affect me and God's going to use that. But you know what this man did? He worked. He worked hard in school as a child. He worked really hard in school as a child. And you know what he began? And of course, as many of you know, uh, he became uh, a doctor. Of course, he became a presidential candidate not too uh, long ago. And I mean, and he, did, he, he, he did a lot of first in the realms of, of surgeries and everything. He was an amazing man. Uh, and uh, I wish I'd give more details, but I just went off my head instead of my notes because I don't have it in there. But what I'm saying is, he was a man that had every disadvantage. But he did not use those disadvantages for excuses. Amen. Quit making excuses is what I'm trying to say. Amen. Take control of your life. By the way, I tell you, you know what I just thought of on this? Uh, I thought of William Carey, because I'm not, not, not mistaken it was William Carey, um, but I can think, if it wasn't William Carey, I can definitely think of some missionaries that, that, that married, there was, there was one missionary, and it may have been him, but that married a woman, and that woman literally was off her rocker. That's what the cool kids are saying nowadays for people that are crazy, okay? Uh, she, 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 and, and so she would literally, he, he would go and preach and she would follow behind him a lot of times and say, don't listen to him. He's, and I mean, and she would just make a scene and everything. And, and it, it reminds me of the people that begin to make excuse when the Lord began to give an example of people that were being called to the field and called to work for God. And one said, oh, I've purchased a piece of land that I need to go look at. Uh, one said, I've, I've, I bought an animal and I've got to go prove it. One man said, I married a wife. I married a wife, and because of this wife, I cannot come. But see, this missionary did not use that as an excuse. He married a wife that was not supportive. He married a wife that didn't help him in the ministry like mine does. Uh, and, and, but he didn't use that as an excuse. See, we don't. We got to quit making excuses. And by the way, we live in a generation to where people—it's—it's it's sad what's going on with the generation, the millennials, and the generation that's coming up after that. You know why? Because they're given all these excuses of why you can't succeed. And why you can't accomplish anything. And so, uh, but God teaches us to have an internal uh, control. I, I love this, what the Bible says. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, it says, Then He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. God says, I'm going to bless you according to your faith. Amen. Be it unto you. Uh, there's a great verse, Ephesians 3.20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. God's able to do beyond. What, what can you think? What can you imagine? What can you ask? God says, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above that. Amen. But it's according to the power that works in you. Yes. See, we need to have a goal and we need to have a vision as big as our God is. Um, and so people who are successful in any area of life think differently. 
It's not just that they work harder, it's that they work smarter and they work differently. They push themselves to think a little bit deeper. They choose to make the right decisions um, in their life. So, taking control in our lives. When you're facing a chore, translate that chore into a choice that makes you feel like you're in control of your life. Um, I read about a cool story about some, uh, some, about some Marines that were in boot camp. And this, this particular Marine, uh, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, he was, uh, he was, from, a, uh, he was from East L.A. Uh, he, he, was, he was just kind of struggling through life. He wasn't accomplishing anything. He just was kind of drifting. A friend of his came back from the Marine Corps. And he's like, man, that dude's different. And he thought, maybe that's what I'm going to try. So the guy went into the Marine Corps. Uh, and when he went into the Marine Corps, he went in there because he wanted to be a better man. By this time, he was already married and he had a little girl. And he says, I want to be a better man for my daughter. I want to make a better life for my wife and my daughter. I want to get them out of the neighborhood that we're in. I want, to, I, I want my daughter and my family to see me as success, success. And I want to be able to lead them into a successful place into their lives. So that was his motivation. Well, he goes through boot camp, which of course isn't an easy task. And of course, uh, the last, uh, some, some of the last challenges and obstacles that they had to face in order to pass boot camp were even greater uh, uh, th- than what he had faced all the way up to that point. And, and through that process, I remember at the, at the, at the very end of a, of a very trying 24-hour period, they had a giant, muddy, slick hill to try to scale and get up in order to accomplish this. So there was an obstacle standing in their way. We're all going to have obstacles in our way. And they're struggling up this hill, these, these, uh, these would-be Marines, these recruits. And as they're going up that hill, man, they're struggling. They're exhausted. They hadn't slept hardly any in the last 24 hours. And, and, they're, and they're pushing up this hill, and they don't feel like they got enough to get there. And they're starting to uh, contemplate just stopping and just giving up. And one of the Marines looks over at the other, or one of the recruits, they're not taking the Marines yet, but one of them looks over at the other one and he says, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But it was, it was a trigger. It was a mechanism. It was something that he had learned in boot camp. And you know what he said? I'm doing this for my daughter. I'm doing this to make a better life for my daughter and for my wife. That's why I'm doing this. Because you know what? Sometimes when we begin to face obstacles, when, when things get hard, we can forget why we're doing it. And that gave him the motivation to get that vision back, to get that mark back to press toward. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Uh, you know, I, I've asked myself that before in ministry. Why am I doing this? By the way, man, I'm most, the most blessed man alive. I want you to look up here to me. Uh, I don't want to quit every Monday. I do not, amen. I am the most blessed man alive, and, and, and especially in the situation I'm in now. But I'm just telling you, there has been difficult days in the ministry. It's, it's, it's not all uh, the glamour that, it's, uh, that it looks like up here, all right? Uh, and, uh, but, but, but here's the thing uh, what keeps me going? It's not because people are always great. Which I, can't, I feel bad even saying that here because it seems like they are. But, but I've been at places in, in my life where it just seemed like, what's the use? I'm doing more harm than good. I'm not doing anything. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm messing everything up. I just need to quit. I just need to be done. I just need to go back home. Amen? And, uh, and I, I can remember specifically 
a preacher that I talked to, I can't remember his name, but he was, I believe, in Oregon. And this was when I was praying about coming out to this part of the country. And I've told some of you this before. But he says to me, uh, he says, oh, he says, I know you boys from the South. He said, y'all get all excited and fired up and boy, you're going to come out there and do something for God. And he's seen it. I mean, he's not just being, you know, mean about it. He's just, he's seen it. And he says, but you get to missing mama and the rebel flag. And in a year, you'll be back home. And I remember thinking to myself, well, my mama's in heaven. And I can bring the rebel flag with me. I said, so, so I don't have no reason to go home. Amen? Uh, I don't know if he threw grits in there or not. Amen? But anyway, uh, I, cause, you know, cause, so, but there's been times that I thought, man, uh, one of the most ridiculous thoughts you could think, I just need to go pastor a church down in North Carolina or Georgia or somewhere, you know. And boy, that, I wouldn't have any problems then. <laughs> and if you just knew down there, you'd know that was a joke, amen. Uh, that's, that's, that's just one of those crazy thoughts you have. But I remember thinking that. I'm talking about years ago, years ago, before I came here, and I'm saying that because I've been so spoiled since I've been here. Uh, but 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 thinking to myself, but I remember thinking, why are you doing this? I'm doing this. You know why? Because God called me to do it. Amen. God's got a purpose for my life. The last thing God ever told me to do was to come here. Yes. I mean, as far as in relation to His will for my life. And I'm not leaving it. You know, you know people leave church prematurely? Amen. People come here and they say, man, I, God led us here. We're so blessed. This is where God wants us to be. Well, guess what? There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some slick hills. There's going to be some trying times. And you know what some people do? They don't have that same mentality. Oh, you know what? Man, God's led us away. No, it's that they lose focus and they forget about the big goal. Yet there's some of these smaller obstacles that we go through and these things that we've got to deal with with each other. You know, it's, it's the people that are looking for the perfect church sometimes. You know, and I've always this this goes for preachers as well as for church members. I've always I've heard this advice years ago. If you find the perfect church, whether you're a preacher or whether you're a church member, please don't go there. You know why, don't you? You'll mess it up. You'll ruin it. Uh, and that's just to say that there's not a perfect church, is there? Um, but what I'm saying is sometimes things get hard. Um, I wonder how many of you have uh, how many of you have weight loss goals or fitness goals or health goals this coming year? All right, uh, a few more hands will go on that if we're honest. Some of you just don't want to admit it because you know in about two weeks from now I'm going to say I thought you were on a diet. <laughs> now that can be tough, and I mean, and listen, it's not fair, is it? I mean, listen, I have eaten the right thing for breakfast, drunk plenty of water, come. Eat a healthy snack at work. Come home, eat some leafy vegetables and greens and whatever. Uh, I've eaten uh, something good and protein. Then I've gone to the gym and I've worked out. And it is not fair because I get on the scales and I haven't lost any weight. I look in the mirror. My pants don't fit any different. And I spent a whole day eating right. And I was at the gym for an hour. Anybody? I kid you not, I'm just like, okay, how we do? My goodness. Well, I guess this ain't working. We don't want, we don't want that work, do we? We don't want that commitment. We don't want that. We, we, we want it to be easy. But see, when it comes to smart goals versus stretch goals that I mentioned earlier, you, there may be somebody that says, well, we'll just we'll take the, the, the health. The, the, and by the way, I do want to encourage people when it comes to their health. 
Zero vanity involved, okay? And this is a paradigm shift I'm trying to change in my mind. Not about vanity. It's about your life. It's about your future. It's about being able to be healthier longer. And listen, you could, you could try to live... Somebody says, well, I'm, I've, known a healthy, I've known healthy people. They've ate right, done right, ran, and then they just fall over with a stroke. Well, that's fine. I mean, it happens, right? But, man, I don't want it to be said of me that I'm the one that brought it on. You know, we were talking about it this morning. I, I've met people that complain about uh, situations they get in health-wise. And I'm like, what have you been stuffing your body for the last 40 years? Well, God's doing this to me. God didn't stuff that bacon down your gullet. God did not force that to back in your mouth or in your... You know, God did not force you to, get, to, to take, uh, to, to, to abuse uh, prescription drugs. You know, God didn't force you to do any of that. God did not say, you're not getting off that couch, buddy. And you're not getting up till you finish those Doritos. No going to the... You know what I'm saying? God doesn't do that. So what I'm saying is... Uh, I, I just, just want to encourage you for, for life, for health, to be able to be, be with your family longer, yeah. right? To be able to be, as you grow older, maybe be able to enjoy things more. I mean, for God, I mean, it's, it's pe- people, I know there's nuts out there today, but don't think of it in a vain kind of way. Think of it in a way as, you know, being good to yourself so you can be good to your family, you can be around for your family. Uh, and again, yeah, you could kill over today. Uh, you know, you could be the, you could be trying to, but, but, that, that's just my little spiel there, just because I want to encourage you, because I'm your friend and I love you. But just say, I don't know if anybody here has a goal to run a marathon. I don't. Not interested. I, maybe a ha- Kurt, okay. So here's the thing, and, and, and I'm not telling Kurt nothing. He's a, he's a cross-country coach. And, but I'm telling you, uh, Kurt would agree with me, I believe, on this. You don't just get up and say, all of a sudden, you know what, I'm running a marathon. Now that's where you start. But if you just leave it at that, if you just say, I'm going to lose 30 pounds, and you just leave it at that, that's a stretch goal. In other words, it's, it's, it's a hard, you can't even imagine attaining this goal. I can't, you, anybody ran lately? No. Okay, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Um, running's hard, much less running 26 miles, you know. Uh, I mean, but okay, running's hard. But, but rather than saying, I'm going to go out here and run a marathon, you may say, you know what? By the end of January, I want to make it to where maybe I can run a mile. I want to run a mile. I'm going to start by running a mile. If you've never ran before, I'm going to run a mile. Maybe you can already run three. Say, you know what? I'm going to run five. I'm going to run five. Uh, and, and so, so, so January, I'm going to, I'm going to by, by the end of January, I'm going to run five miles. You know what? I'm going to up that now. And I mean, I'm not saying giving you the exact timetable of how this works, but what I'm trying to tell you is, what, what, the reason we fail at our resolutions, the reason we fail in our goals, whether it's spiritual, whether it's... And by the way, I believe God cares about our lives, period. So whatever goals we're set... The reason we fail sometimes is that we put these real big goals out there and we don't, we don't think about the steps it's going to take to get there. Yeah. I mean, I want to look like Chris Hemsworth, Thor... And, and Melanie wants that as well. The height thing I can't control. Uh, but, uh, but, but one thing's for sure, I can't, I, and I do, man, I try to envision that in my head. And when running on that treadmill gets hard, I just try to imagine me just 
<laughs> you know, that guy, you know, maybe my voice even changes. I don't know. Uh, and uh, because I try to say, and, and I, I, man, I got to stop because I want to, I ain't going to get to preach to you all the stuff I was wanting to. But anyway, um, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is have them, don't, don't think, just understand it's going to take some time to get there. So just be patient with me, honey. Um, <laughs> be patient with me. But you know what happens is, is, is sometimes that goal can just be, you know, again, I spent a whole day eating right and went to the gym and it's not happening. Oh, well. No, I need to be realistic and say, you know what, maybe I'm going to just, maybe by, by, you know, third week in January, I'm going to try to go in a belt size, you know, and I'm going to uh, try to, maybe I'm going to start lifting wherever I lift at and I'm going to try to increase that, you know. Whatever it may be, Put a goal out there that's a ridiculous goal. Put because some of our problems is we don't even either we don't have goals or we have goals that are too attainable. Um, I will close with this illustration um, on smart goals and uh, stretch goals. I'll close with this illustration. Um, smart goals. When I say that, that actually originated with Jack Welch, uh, the former uh, uh, GM of uh, General Electric. And, and SMART actually stands for specific. This is wise. This is a good goal. Specific, measurable. So it's specific, I'm going to lose some weight. It's measurable, I'm going to lose, you know, two pounds by, you know, within a couple, I'm going to lose a pound a week, whatever it is. It's measurable. It's achievable. That can be accomplished. Uh, it's realistic, and it's based on a timeline. That's SMART. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, uh, and a timeline. Uh, and so that's good. But what happened within General Electric is people began to kind of take advantage of this. There's this thing called the need for cognitive closure. The need for cognitive closure. And it's just a fancy uh, term that means that we feel better if we accomplish something. So in other words, what began to happen within GE, everybody that worked for GE had to have a smart goal. Lay it out. And they had to have those. It was reviewed uh, regularly, uh, asked about regularly, but there were some uh, places that were not doing well. You know why? Because they were, there was a secretary, for instance, that says, I'm going to order 10 pencils by the end of January. Uh, you know, or something like that. In other words, they just started making goals. It's kind of like this. You need to get something done today. You need to get something done. But instead of getting done what you really need to get done, or hope to get done, your main goal, you just go and... Check your emails. Clean out your inbox. Well, there you go. I did something. I accomplished something. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can go about accomplishing things that are relatively insignificant and they just basically are kind of uh, mood. It's mood management. I accomplished something today. But wait a second. If we have an ultimate goal, what is, is this, what I'm doing right now, doing anything to move me in that goal? If you have a list, if you make a list of what you've got to do on a daily basis, a yearly basis, there ought to be there might be a 10-year goal written at the top of your page first. As a church, I think about this. This is scriptural, folks. Jesus said, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Bam, it wasn't just like that the next day they were in all the world preaching the gospel. That's a stretch goal. That seems impossible. But you know what? God ensured other steps along the way. You know what I'm going to do? You know what? Maybe I'll just start with my neighbor. You know, which is a whole other thing I'd like to challenge you on, but, but I'm going to try to stay within closing this part out and giving you this. 
Keep a stretch goal. Keep See, some, somebody said, though, actually it was Peter Drucker that said this, there's nothing quite so useless as doing with great efficiency something that should not be done at all. Something that should not be done at all. You're, we're not accomplishing the ultimate goal. And so I've got to ask, what that does is it helps me. When I come home from work and I want to sit down in my recliner and just eat and watch television... I've got to ask myself, wait a second. How does this fit into my ultimate goal of being the man God that I want that I want to be for God? That goal. I've got this ultimate goal. You, you, you write it down, you have it somewhere. And I tell you, I, I, I lose this sometimes. And so then I do a little bit more sitting on the recliner eating, amen. Uh, but uh, and, and and not accomplishing. Now there's nothing wrong with sitting on the recliner eating, don't get me wrong. Uh, but the thing is, is maybe instead of that, I should be, maybe, you know what, maybe I need to spend some time investing in accomplishing this greater goal instead of doing this. Because we don't have time, do we? We don't have time because we lose track of what we need to be doing. And again, I'm preaching this to myself because I need this. Uh, so, so a smart goal is good. Something that's, uh, you know, uh, what, what did I say here? I know, man, I'm, I'm trying to get, get this out here quickly. But, but, but a smart goal... Is something that you can do. It's something that's uh, that's simple. It's a step to accomplish something. But then there's the stretch goal. This is something that we put down at the top of our to-do list. It's something that's audacious. It's running a marathon, for instance. It's uh, it's th- it's this church. Out of this church, this church reaching this community, making a greater impact in this community. It's this church having churches started from this church into towns all around here. Amen. It's this church affecting a huge portion. These are visions and dreams that I have. Now as a church, what are we doing to accomplish that? What are we doing you know, daily? You can't just do that overnight, but there's small things that God does and we can do. That's a stretch goal. Okay? Uh, in, in the 1950s, that stretch goal, uh, after the Second World War, Japan was intensely focused on growing its economy. Every day, tens of thousands of people traveled by train between, listen to this, every day people traveled between Tokyo and Osaka. Vast amounts of raw industrial materials. These were the two towns. Uh, they traveled on the rail lines. But the Japanese topography was so mountainous and the railway system was so outdated that the 320-mile trip could take as long as 20 hours. They're trying to rebuild Japan on a 20-hour trip between manpower and materials. So in 1955, the head of the Japanese railway system challenged uh, the, the nation's engineers to invent a faster train. Six months later, uh, a team unveiled a prototype locomotive capable of going 65 miles an hour, a speed that at that time made it one of the fastest passenger trains in all the world. 65 miles an hour. The head of the railway system saw it and he says, not good enough. Not audacious enough. Not big enough. Not good enough. He wanted 120 miles an hour. The engineers explained, that's impossible. At those speeds, a train could turn too sharply and centrifugal force would derail all the cars. And then the engineer says, maybe 70 miles an hour. We could do that. 
Maybe, maybe 75, but any faster, we're guaranteeing a crash. Why, he says. He said the rails are old. They're going around mountains. He says, well, let's update the rails. Let's quit going around the mountains and let's go through the mountains. Let's do something. In other words, there's this big ridiculous goal two times faster than just about any train in the entire world was running at that time. How are we going to... This is an audacious. This is a big plan. How are we going to accomplish this? It's going to take little things at a time. Changing the rails. Doing this and that. And, uh, and sure enough later, in 1964, Tokei Dushin I didn't say that right. We call it the bullet train. The world's first bullet train completed its inaugural tip, trip at an average speed of 120 miles an hour. And the point that I'm trying to make with that is this. Have a big goal. Listen, you need, we need to learn. See, our problem is, let's all stand. Our problem is a lot of times, we only set goals as big as we are. We only set goals as big as we are. We need to learn to set goals as big as God is. Good. Amen. Oh, well, I can only do this. And you know, I hadn't had this and that. What are we doing? We're making excuses. Amen. We need to take control and say, you know what? God said He could do this in me. It's not about me. It's about my God. Amen. You can be a godly woman. You can be a godly man. You can make an impact, young person. You don't have to wait till you become an adult Amen. to make an impact for God. Make an impact right now. Yes. Yeah. Amen. You can make a difference. You can, you, you can let God use your spiritual gift in this church to, to help accomplish that great goal of reaching more souls. Making a difference, which is going to be our theme in 2019. Making a difference. But you just got to believe now, there's a big goal out there. There's Kurt running the marathon. Well, if he goes out there, I don't know Kurt, maybe he can get out there. He's, he's an athletic person. Don't let us... Uh, size for you. I about got ran over at first base, hey man, trying to beat him to the bag uh, one time, and it was the scariest thing, one of the scariest things I've ever had to face. <laughs> Maybe he could go out there and just run, you know, on past Sioux City. But in all reality, he may have to start with some small steps and start building up to that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with every one of us. Number one, get a big goal. Yeah. See God's vision for your life. See it, believe it, dream about it, believe it can happen. And then start taking the steps. Every day evaluate. Is this helping accomplish that? Is this getting me to that goal? Same thing, whether it's weight, whether it's finances. You know, Dave Rams talked about the baby steps. It's just one after the other. These are principles that are just sound because they're wisdom. it's wisdom from God's Word. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, God, for calling me. Lord, and as Miss Sonia comes and plays softly on the piano, Lord, I, I pray, God, that You'll speak to hearts. I pray that You'll help each of us, God, to, to get a hold of that for which You've got a hold of us for. God, there's none of us that have attained yet. But Lord, by Your grace, we can attain. As a church, we can attain. Lord, You've done great things here, God, but You're not done. There's more that You're going to save. Lord, I pray, God, that everybody... I wish we could have a goal in here. It sounds impossible to think of us being able to lead somebody to the Lord this year, maybe. But God, if every one of us would have a goal to lead somebody to the Lord this year and to take that same person or another person and disciple them, to take someone and disciple them, to share with them truth, to share with them the Word of God. God, help us to believe, not in ourselves, but to believe in You, believe in Your Word, to have faith, 
It's not about how big we are. It's about how big you are, Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. And I just pray that you'll help us, God, to trust you, know you, and love you.